Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Greg. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Shall we check in for this week's episode before we dive in, if you will? Yeah. Check-ins are always good. You want to do a question instead of a, we can do the, a quick capacity, but maybe a, some other kind of question. I should have, have had one in mind before I suggested, <laughs> before I suggested that. <laughs> I don't know. How about what's giving you energy these days? Mm. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Want me to go first? Sure. That would be great. Well, capacity wise, I'm coming in quite high. Um, Got a good night's sleep after a couple of days of not such good night's sleep. So I'm feeling really good. What is giving me energy these days? Mm. Well, it's, you know, it's easy. The first thing that comes to mind is some collaborating that I'm doing with um, another friend, uh, Jordan. That for sure comes to mind. But I think what I'm really going to say is, is the cherry blossoms are mm. giving me energy. My neighbor's tree, they have this little baby tre- cherry tree that they planted like three or four years ago in, in our in our yard. And I went outside yesterday and it just stopped me in my tracks with mm. the cherry blossoms that just popped out. And, you know, we're seeing them here in Seattle for maybe the last three or four weeks. They've been out. And, you know, even though it's still been rainy and gray, there's something about them that just, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. So how about, mm, how about for you? I'm glad you got sleep. Sleep is good. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, good capacity. Got good sleep last night and a pretty restful weekend. I'm going to cheat. Two things are giving me energy. Um, one is I'm dog sitting a friend's dog and I live in a an apartment. And so I have to take him out for a walk two or three mm. times a day. And it's 20 minutes each time. It's to get to look at the cherry blossoms. It's not a power exercise walk. It's the sniff mm. around. So he sniffs and I stare and look at things. So it's been really, really mm. nice. Uh, and the second thing that's giving me energy is I live in a co-op and we've had all sorts of new people move in and I don't know people. And we've been meeting online even for our board meetings. And I had suggested a progressive party where we start in one person's unit and travel to each unit and have a different, you know, kind of theme. And we did that yesterday and it was super fun. Uh, nice. To get to know everybody and not be attending to the business of the building, which makes mm. me think of, you know, just the importance of having relationship, you know, and hearing, seeing people's pictures and the art on their walls and the conversations that get sparked from that and music that's playing and just gave, giving us that foundation of relatedness that we didn't have. And mm. I anticipate it making it easier to do the work of the building. We have decisions to make mm. and mm-hmm. resources to distribute and all those things. So 
both of those things were really energizing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes me think, I mean, what would it be like to just do that in a neighborhood? You know, Mm. like I know in my neighborhood, most of the neighbors, we don't know each other, you know, and we, we don't have relationships, not for necessarily lack of trying, (laughs) you know, there's just been, it's, you know, and I know that, you know, living in a co-op is a very intentional decision that involves like, Hey, we're going to be in relationship with each other, but so could living in a neighborhood. (laughs) So a little bit envious there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of complexities and nuances that come with inviting each other into each other's homes and all of that. And I think anyway, it would be nice to have more um, back in the day where it felt more comfortable to ask each other for sugar and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Yes. Well, I mean, it kind of touches on, I guess, a little bit of the direction we were going to go in today's conversation. I don't know, Shannon, did you have a thought on the the way into that? I did not have a thought on the way into that. We Should I make one up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. Okay. Well, Greg and I today just landed on a question that we use a lot, which is what's on top around race and oppression. You know, in part we were, there's just a lot going on in the world all the time um, around race and oppression. And I know the first time I got asked this question, uh, I had no answer. And it was like, I don't think about that stuff very often. Uh, just the utter privilege um, of that, of that and all sorts of other choices it reveals in my life. So it just felt like a poignant question and anything you want to add to that? I was going to say more, but no, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty powerful question. Well, and it can connect to even our neighborhood discussion. You know, a lot of the, you know, white bodied spaces that I'm in or facilitate, we will speak of how white our worlds are, how white our neighborhoods are. And, you know, this will come to no surprise. (laughs) from the people of the global majority and that being true. And especially in Seattle, uh, Mm -hmm. I think more so than any city I've ever lived in. Um, And then, you know, you and I working in consulting and often at higher levels of organizations, how that's true. So it can be very easy to not bump into that consideration. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, we were also talking about for those facilitators, consultants and coaches, we had uh, our disrupting our practice workshop series. And there is a desire, which I definitely understand like what, what's the checklist or the worksheet or the, you know, give me the model to assess my practice through or to assess a tool through and, yes, that's helpful. And in some ways it's not the point, or that's only going to be as effective to some degree as your experience of the question, what's on top around race and oppression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what are you, what are you tracking and not tracking and how does it touch you in your body? Mm -hmm. What stories, narratives, questions, reactions, emotional defenses Mm -hmm. come up even as you consider what's on top around race and oppression. So Mm-hmm. That's the way in to this question. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you want to answer the question, or do you want me to answer it? Or no? Why don't you 
Why don't you start? I just said a whole lot. So just share space here. Yeah. I mean, so what's on top um, is been tracking this story that I feel like I saw the first inklings of it a couple of days ago, but it's kind of made its way to the top of the, the top of the headlines and made its way pretty strongly onto my LinkedIn feed this morning recording on um, Monday, the 17th of April, um, about a young black man uh, named, but um, I think I'm, I hope I say his last name, right. And Ralph Yarl, who in Kansas city, Missouri was shot on the 13th um, by uh, what turns out to be an elderly white man who was apparently detained briefly, but not arrested. And what he wasn't killed. Um, he, he was shot in the, I think in the arm and, and then the head, and through a glass door, he had, he had apparently gone to an address to pick up his siblings and he had the address slightly wrong, just like just enough wrong that usually, you know, they, he, the, the guy who shot him probably gets this other address's mail all the time. It's that kind of thing. Mm. And yeah. And you know, it's, it's Missouri. It's black man, the young black boy, older black man, kind of the older white man a story that seems to play out in one way or another kind of mm-hmm. often, you know, and it's, it's a story, you know, and what I'm seeing a lot on LinkedIn is like, you know, a lot of black bodied folks kind of sharing the story and having to say again, once again, having to say, when are we going to stop shooting young black boys, um, mm-hmm. young black men? I sit with one is just a, utter tragedy of it and the grief of what the hell is wrong in this country that this is the cycle, you know, and the the regular cycle of just kind of again and again and again. And I sit with the question, the very, what feels like a real question in my nervous system about like, how do I support my black, um, my black colleagues, my black friends, my black neighbors, my teachers Mm -hmm. in a way that honors the reality mm-hmm. um, and is truly about them. Doesn't center my own kind of like desire. And, you know, we could kind of speak too much to somebody in our lives who um, I, I reached out to after there was a tragedy and their reaction was kind of like, I, I need to not talk to you for a while, <laughs> you know? And like, okay, hmm, fuck, <laughs> you know? Um, so the, 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 there's a swirl mix of emotions that comes with this and there's a, a lot of, I don't know, there's confusion, there's, there's desire, there's a, um, there's something that in me that wants to show up. Um, and it's hard to tell how much of that is, yeah, how much of that is rooted in something about my own comfort and, mm. And, but also, you know, like just knowing, like, I, I don't know, I think I'm a pretty caring person. So, you know, wanting to actually be caring. And so, but the complexity here is pretty massive. And um, yeah, so I'll just leave it there and see what, mm. how that lands and what unfolds from that. Yeah. I hear your care in that, Greg, and the wanting to reach in a way that connects and is connecting for the other person. Um, and, the complexity of doing that. And there is varies by person. Just keep thinking of the, the reach and miss invitation from 
you know, Aaron and Portia and Jenny and Dylan and not get it right. Um, and easier said than done, just mm. what comes up and what comes up. And yeah, I, f- I feel you there. Um, did you want any more reflections or were you t- handing it, passing it to me to answer the question or in any of the above? Yeah. Any of the above, like whatever's mm-hmm. there for you, but I'm also interested in, in, yeah, what's on top for you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm fidgeting with this thing that Pamela gave us. I have a little fidget toy, so mm-hmm. I hope it's not affecting audio. I, I mean, I have something very different on top around race and oppression. I'm working with a small landscaping company and um, the two I'm supporting a co-owners now, um, a man and his brother, both of whom are from Monterey, Mexico and um, bought this, bought this company. And what's lovely about it is there's a way that they're able to include the field labor, which is all Spanish speaking because they speak Spanish, Mm. obviously. Um, And we're trying to engage the field labor in, in conversations about company culture and to not have it be uh, just a place where people come to work. Um, And it's just, Mm. we were this morning talking about that and tried to hold the complexity of how complicated that is. I mean, we have a, a, an office staff that's thinking about culture and that's a language that's understood and taking surveys is a normal thing and having workshops and talking about that is a part of their work experience and the field labor, not so much. Um, Mm. And so just sitting with, you know, wanting people to be included and wanting it to be meaningful and wanting it to be real, you know, creating a bridge there and having it be, and not having like last time we felt like it met the people from the field, you know, did let us know. And a lot of people were lost and they were quite sure why they were there, even though we were doing interpret interpretation and, you know, doing some Spanish only groups and, you know, just trying the best that we could to navigate the complexity that that brought into the room. So yeah, just sitting, just sitting with that and really appreciating, really appreciating the owners of that company for not wanting just really caring. I think it could be easy to be like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they come and go and they don't want that to be the experience. And the other people in the organization really want to hear from them. And like the people want, want, want a different experience that's more mm-hmm. integrated and more recognizing everybody's contribution. And so that's where I was coming from this morning. Um mm-hmm feeling hopeful and grateful and excited and a little stumped, you know, on, on how best to do this. Mm. And as I was driving up the hill, there was someone, uh, looked like field crew, labor crew of some kind kind of standing around One was on the phone and someone was standing with their head on the truck, like just looking asleep or tired or, just like they wish they could lay down and take a nap uh, and was thinking about their day versus my day and their work Mm. versus my work and Mm -hmm. imagining how hard and how many jobs and 
mm. you know, clearly making up a lot of stories, but just feeling, I don't know, that really stood out to me after this morning's conversation with everybody. Yeah. So I, I think what's on top is just how do you, how do you reach mm. um, and keep reaching and bridging and doing something different and inviting people in mm-hmm. and learning what that means to them. That's the other thing. It's like, well, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So owners go out and ask what would make it meaningful and feel good here and make mm-hmm. a difference. And it might be I mean, probably something that would never in a million years cross my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, lots and lots of things are on top, but that's the most current this mm. morning. Curious what you're pondering. I can see you feeling or There's like this thinking. question. There's, well, there's, there's, there's a number of things. One is, is like the recognition of the value of getting to work with a client who, who shares a positionality mm. with directly with the people that work for them. Like in a way that, I mean, there's lots of, <laughs> there are a lot of, lots of white executives who have a lot of white people working for them who don't necessarily consider those, consider their perspectives, you know, or like care about them. But that might be because of the positionality, right? And so there's something about that that's moving, you know, and like the desire of like, okay, you know, for whatever reason, these two guys were in a position to be able to buy this company. You know, the the people who are the in the field weren't, you know, or they didn't, and and um, and so they're 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 caring for that and wanting to make it a place for them and make it make make those folks who are actually doing the work of the company feel good about their work and where they work and all that. But if I myself, what I guess what I was kind of pondering is some kind of question that's swimming around in relationship to your positionality within the mix. And you're pointing to it as like, you know, your uncertainty of how to do it. And, but I'm just kind of curious about that and about your experience of your positionality. Cause I would imagine I'm, I'll, I'll make up my own story here that most of them are men that are in the field. Oh um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. probably some women, but you know, so I'm, I'm just curious about like what you're, yeah. What's moving in you around that. And like, mm. yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate the question. I have been more aware of my positionality as, you know, corporate consultant and assumptions I make from that positionality and, you know, education level was one thing that the owners brought up. It's like, Hey, a lot of these guys haven't even, you know, finished high school. You know, so how how to connect? And I haven't been out in the field. That hasn't felt. I'm, I haven't felt like the right positionality um, for that. I didn't specifically think of it in terms of gender. It was just in a blanket way. It's just I was not the person to be out doing the conversing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two guys, you know, at the last workshop, did the interpreting and conversing and. Um, you know, I was trying to downplay, it's not quite the right word, but have been wanting to, you know, really support the two owners and what their desires are and having them do the communication around that. So a lot of the communication has been from them. And then there are two uh, field folks that have been helping us out who are same positionality or some more similar positionality to the rest of the the labor. Mm. So they were, they have helped with some of the bridging and wording. So I don't know if I'm 
directly answering your question related to, you know, gender, but for sure, for so many reasons, not being the positionality to make the reach Mm -hmm. uh, has been clear and increasingly clearer what, what that means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really turning to the others and saying, I, you know, I look to you all to, to guide me here. Um, and for us to, to figure this out, it's a figuring out of things. Mm. It feels good to be in, in more, well, not just it's, <laughs> that was centering myself more importantly, just noticing, you know, the little bits of feedback that, that people and people really value communicating more across the company mm. than has been in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming both ways, even some bubbling up from from the labor folks who shared things. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else bubbling to the top right now for me around that reflection. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate it. Do you, um, taking you, taking us back to sort of what was on top for you, how are yeah. you holding your reflections? Like what various things? trains of thought are you having about how to reach for those folks in your life that you would like to reach for or how to be in the, in the kind of integrity around who you are and your care and all of those types of questions. Yeah. I'm, um, (laughs) I find myself in a little bit of a knot around it. Honestly, it's Mm -hmm. a, um, it feels like a, a big, like a Gordian knot, you know, like, mm-hmm. because any, any move feels like it could contribute to more pain and mm-hmm. in a lack of a move can feel like it contribute to complacency. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it does, it, you know, I mean this, you know, I guess coming back to Aaron Johnson's invitation to consider the reality that we can't be in a relationship and not hurt each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I can definitely feel how my nervous system reacts to this differently than say, Oh, I'm going to give my wife some feedback because of something that's going on in the house and recognize that the possibility that we're going to have to have a conversation about it. You know, like the charge of race amplifies mm. it for sure. Yeah. But there was something you said, you know, kind of when we were chatting before the call, well, first of all, actually, I want to. One thing that I didn't say earlier that I want to name is the connection back to the kind of neighborhood connection and building of relationships within among those we live with and live near. You know, it, maybe it's a leap. I don't think it's that much of a leap to say that that the the odds of shooting somebody through your glass front door when they show up on your front door is probably amplified by um, a lack of connection to your community, you know, and to Mm. people Mm -hmm. who are around you, Mm -hmm. the likelihood that you would go to the door with a gun in your hand when somebody knocks on the door um, Mm. probably goes down when you have a sense of who's, who's around you, you know, Mm -hmm. that said this, this kid made a mistake. He made an honest mistake. He went to the wrong address and probably went to the wrong neighborhood you know, honestly, and like, you know, in parts of the country that are still very segregated, I mean, hell, our part of the country is very segregated, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's entirely possible that the neighborhood he was supposed to go to 
was a primarily black neighborhood. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but like, so there's that, I mean, just the, 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 like the first step of like, what is, what isn't part of the way to address this ongoing tragedy to actually get to know one another, get to know other people and develop a little bit more trust so that we're not just like every, everybody's a threat. And then, you know, you add the component. It's very clear here, older white man, young black man, like kind of what was going on in that situation. And so that, you know, that, that puts a spin on it. It makes it different. The other thing I wanted to say though, was like something you had said prior when we were on the call, which is prior prior to recording, I should say is, um, yeah, you know, like acknowledging and recognizing how much is in in, in any room we walk into, especially if the room is, is racially mixed that, you know, these kinds of events are so like, like I'm seeing on LinkedIn, like person after person posting about the, the reality of this event and, um, you know, being in this kind of cycle constantly, meaning that even if we have a stretch of a month where a young black man isn't shot by a white bodied person, it's still there. (laughs) It's still in the room. It's still being carried in the nervous systems of people in that community. Yeah, and the same is true for Latinx folks who are experiencing things, and the same is true for you know other folks of other positionalities that are carrying the tragedies of the world in their nervous systems because they so are, are so directly impacted. And so it's just a, it's like a, a thing, you know. And I, I think it's what led you to suggest this kind of using this question of what's on top of around race is a question or is it as a something that we're in a conversation around so that we could not just answer the question, but also point to it as a question for white bodied facilitators, managers, leaders to hold so that we can hopefully notice that the people who were in the room with us, the people who were on the bus with us, the people in line at the grocery store with us yeah, um, are very likely carrying around things that maybe we aren't, we aren't carrying unless it shows up at the top of the, you know, the, that does the top headline on the CNN.com. Yeah. I mean the, you know, hearing, I mean, I'd like to name trans men and trans women with all that is happening in the world of the constant yes. reminder of, you know, people not wanting them to exist or live or be free in the the reality that so many people are just trying to go outside and take a walk and get a cup of coffee or pick up their kids and not get killed. Yes. Uh, it's just true. Just true. Yep. Um, and to be with all that that means. Um, I can't think of anything more important. Yep. So, well, I can, which would be adding on to the action, the differences, the changes, the reaches, anything, anything that changes that. Yeah. Yeah. That we can all wake up and trust we can do those things and be safe. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's what, what, what's coming to mind as you're saying that is like, as I sit with the question of like, what do I do? What do I do to support? you know, my, my black colleagues, my black friends in, in the time like this, or what do we do to support our trans friends in a time like this? You know, the, 
everything, everything, everything happening in Tennessee, like, and then in other parts of the country, but Tennessee has become such a, a hotbed and, and there's layers to it there. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm like, I'm like, okay, the, the desire to reach to trans friends or to black friends and say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. That's strong and that's real. And I want to find ways to be able to, to make those messages known and clear. And I feel like there's something about just normalizing this among those of us who are white, those of us who are cis and being able to be willing to go out and say, you know, this is fucked up, you know, like we need things to be different. So call If you know someone in Tennessee, get on the phone, call the state legislature, call the governor's office, go to the rallies. You know, if you know of a rally here, go to it. Like let's, but like, not just the encouragement, but the the normalizing of the conversations and the willingness to have the miss, the reach and miss be among our white-bodied cisgender brethren, mm-hmm. where we can, where we may actually, you mean, you know, because what can happen in that is, is loss, right? What can happen there is to have a friend who, or a family member who's like, not willing to engage, but not to, not to, get righteous and, and shame filled and do the thing that I think a lot of times we do progressive folks can do, but to actually do what we can to make these conversations, something that's happening, but among us and, and take, and not just putting all the weight on the people most impacted by, you know, by these things. Yeah. That feels really important. Very important. And as you were talking, I was, so let me make sure first I'm tracking. So, what you're saying is having these conversations, having these moments of recognition amongst our white bodied folks and communities and saying things to people, normalizing that. Is that, am I tracking that? Is that one thing you're saying here? That's one of the part of it. Yeah. Part of it. Okay. What's the other part? Just so I want to make sure that doesn't get missed. The other part is though, is taking on the willingness to do the reach and miss within our, our, communities of white-bodied communities, right? So to be willing to say, you know, hey, what do you, one is, is I to ask a question, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about what happened to this kid? Yeah. You know, what do we, what do you think we could do as a community? Yeah. Or, the, you know, at the very extreme is when we encounter the person who's like, I don't see what, you know, the guy was defending his house or whatever to actually say, well, hold on, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, no, let's, let's slow this down and have a conversation about it to actually be willing to take the risk of impacting our relationships to, to stand for, for what's right here. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the, you just said risk, right? Let's risk our yeah. relationship. Um, I think that's what you just said. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the risk the engaging also, like, it's not just, I mean, call your legislature for sure, or, but it's not, it's like, there's a way that we can take action without having to be personally involved or to be relating or that, that doesn't Mm -hmm. carry any risk. And so what I hear and what you're saying is, you know, doing the thing that stays relating and has risk, you know, to be, to really be not staying in a place of 
discomfort and disconnection yeah. about it all. No, I think so. I think we need to be willing to risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a good place to yeah. leave it for today. Yeah. I think um, to, to somebody listening, I think I might just ask, you know, what, what are the conversations that, you know, I'm thinking about the conversations that I can have and some of the folks I can have them with. What are the conversations you might have? And, yeah. and you know, and if you ask yourself, I'll, I'll just also name, like, if you ask yourself that question, what's on top for race and the answer comes up, I'm not sure that's a worthy place to start much in the same way when, when working Very. with trauma, you know, you know, and you used to ask somebody how they feel in their body and they say, well, I don't feel anything. It's like the, the goal isn't to then like get them to feel something. It's to actually start with noticing you don't feel anything. Notice if you don't have a response and just be with that for a while yeah. and, and try to be with that in community so that you don't have to, because my experience is a lot of shame around not, not having anything on top. And, but it's a, yeah. it's a great way to begin to explore the ways in which we protect ourselves from, from having anything on top. Yeah. I think to, to be in community and the shame will come up and to not collapse into that shame. And maybe you will, uh, as you say, you know, it's happens to me still, you know, and we get better at not collapsing. And I always think of a question that Portia asked me, which is to think about why is it that I don't have an answer, you know, for any one thing, you know, it's like, make your way out of the shame by, by considering, yeah. you know, why you don't have an answer or what is it that keeps you from knowing? Um, and to just be in that inquiry with compassion and see what, see what comes well, up. Especially there. to recognize that odds are, if you go into that inquiry deep enough, you are going to come to a systems answer, right? Like you were never, you right. were never meant to ask this question. We were, we were, we were, we we're having very disruptive conversations here. So, yeah. you know, this is back to, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Your responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. So let us know, you know, let us know if you engage in that, you can always pop into the disrupting our practice, LinkedIn community, just search for it in the search function in LinkedIn and you'll find it and request to join and we'll let you right in and uh, let us know, or you can email us at Greg at Greg or Shannon at connectionworks.com. We would love to hear from you. We thank you for continuing to listen to our conversations and explorations. Very unscripted. So <laughs> yes, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a ton. And if you've got a few minutes and you want to leave us a review on the uh, Apple podcast, that'd be fantastic. Deeply appreciated and share it with a friend. Yes. Yes. Or two or 20. Yes. <laughs> and we will uh, be in touch and talk next indeed, time. Indeed. So to yeah, speak. Thank you so much. And thank you, Shannon. We'll look forward to connecting soon. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.